Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, everyone in between or irrespective of that binary, welcome to LGBTMD, a Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition actual play podcast presented to you entirely by members of the LGBT community. As usual, I will be your dungeon master. You can call me Andy because that's my name. Joining me once again are all four of my lovely players who I will introduce to you at this time. Uh, let's start with Craig. You want to remind us who you are and who you're playing today? Yeah, sure. Uh, my name's Craig. I'm playing as Ash Tanner. He uses he, him pronouns, like myself. He is the group's grave cleric, and I believe when we left off, he just woke up in the middle of a desert, and there was no longer a house over his head. So he is probably feeling a bit confused this morning, although we knew something was up with that uh, old man in the desert. And I will go on record as saying my favorite part of this campaign so far is when Andy introduces himself and says you can call him Andy because that is his name. It is, in fact, my name. I haven't stolen it from anybody else. Justin, would you like to remind us who you are and who you're playing today? Sure. I'm Justin. I use he, him pronouns. And I am playing Anok, the tiefling of the druid variety, as it has been quite apparent thus far and we're off into the desert for you know desert things where tiefling tends to be so that's gonna be good i for one look very much forward to your all's adventures into the desert valerie would you like to remind us who you are and who you're playing my character is tara a blood hunter with two crossbows and a commanding personality going by they them or she her pronouns just like myself very nice that leaves, last but not least, Max, do you want to remind us who you are and who you'll be playing? All right, sliding up to the plate is Maximilian, and I use he, him pronouns, as well as the character I run in this campaign, who is Renee, who is our resident rogue, who is doing a very clever fire disguise. <laughs> uh, fodder with the personality of a rogue. That brings us to Valerie, if you would like to hit us with that sweet, sweet recap. So, after having stolen a alchemy kit, the party negotiated their way out of Wharton. The encounter was tense, and eventually the shopkeep confronted Renee. They managed, however, to talk their way out of the interview. They left and decided to head south in search of the moonglow petals of the wild wastes that may hold a cure to the sick. On the first day of their journey... They found and approached a strange lone hut within the sands. They've met an extremely old man named Audriel, who revealed upon questioning that he is an elf. Although whether he was dead or alive was left uncertain. This Audriel communed with the spirits of the past, spirits of the present, and spirits yet to be. Renee was excited, seeing happy and earnest for the first time to see an honest to God elf. Ash was intrigued, Alec was hesitant and on edge, and Tara was visibly distraught. The he agreed to ask the spirits three questions. One of the past, one of the present, one of the future. They learned the cause of the sickness is unknown, but the elves may have played a part in it and learned that the party may be able to find a cure to the wretched curse. When they were to ask if there were other elves left, Tara went outside and Renee saw her crying. Finally, when they wrapped up for the night and were about to go to bed, Audrey gave them all a piece of advice. When it came to Tara, she rejected him and said he should hate her, go and spend the night outside by herself. Ash spoke to Tara outside, 
with her responses answering more questions than they answered. The party awoke with the hot having vanished the next day. And that's where we get off. Very nice. So the group has awakened in the sands of the wild wastes. You know that you're still, or I guess Anak would know at least that you're still probably about a day and a half's travel from the oasis itself. I guess I'll leave it up to the group of you. What you do is you see the hut that you spent the night in is no longer around you. Uh, I'd probably just get up and start collecting all my stuff, putting it together, all that, and letting them know that we still have about a day left to travel before we arrive. Ash just sits upright, just sitting on the ground in the desert and kind of looks around like, this is different. I'm pretty sure we went to bed in a house. Kind of just looks around, completely bewildered. Eventually stands up and dusts himself off and uh, says to the others, we were in a house <laughs> last night, right? Renee would uh, probably wake up in a horrible mood. So he just sits up, shakes the sand out of his shirt and his cloaks and everything, and looks around, is bewildered, and obviously in a very, very bad mood. He would stand up, stretch, probably be in pain from on sand all night. Kind of turns to Ash and says, yeah. He puts together his pointer finger and thumb finger and kind of shies away. I remember getting shocked by a bookshelf last night. There was definitely something here. That's right. I did get kind of a weird feeling from the whole situation. I guess I can't be too surprised. That man seemed um, not really to be anchored by space or time. So I guess he's moved on. I believe he did say he would be leaving. He did. I expected him to be gone in the morning, if, if I'm being honest. I did not expect the building to go with him. For him to make us sleep on the goddamn ground like ponies? Well, we would have been sleeping outside if we hadn't stumbled upon his house, so here we are. And Ash will roll his bedroll and get his things ready. Well, he did. For being the last elf, he's kind of a jerk. Ray kind of goes about cleaning up his things for the first time. Would we be able to see Tara from where we're at since the hut's gone? Yeah, I think I grabbed a ten. Ah. Yeah, so. So I'm all set. So, uh, yeah, we're, as a party, about ready to move on from here. Is anyone sort of letting Tara know that you all are leaving, or? Oh, I'm awake. Okay. Sorry, I didn't know that you... Okay. Uh, Tara was the first one awake, right? I was probably up early. Yeah, their camp's not, like, far from where the house was, so we all just kind of wake up in the desert. The only difference is they were smart enough to be in a tent. I remember someone saying that the desert is very flat, so I'm sure we can all see each other. Yep. Right. Okay. So the group of you were... Moving on towards the oasis, then? Yeah, we're all packed up. If enough can direct us in the right direction, we'll just continue on in the desert. Yep. Okay. So the three of you non-tieflings would be following Anak's lead through the desert. You pass by 
several encampments along your way and not using them as sort of guideposts to ensure your traveling path is heading in the right direction. As the sun starts going down on your second day of journeying, though, you are approaching close to another encampment. They're pretty small. You wouldn't even really consider them villages. It's usually a couple of uh, stone houses arranged fairly close together. Sorry, I don't mean to skip too much over. Would you all be going to any of those before sundown, or are you staying away from them and keeping more directly on your journey? Um, I'd imagine, since we have the ability to find food and water as we travel, um, and since Anak is familiar with the area, that we'd probably just continue onwards until we actually have a reason to stop for the night. Anak is leading our party right now, correct? Yep. Okay, so Renee would, at this point, kind of try and get to the front of the troop and have a little conversation with Anak. It doesn't have to be private or anything, also, Andy. And this is in character. Uh, Anak, you don't have a map, do you? Hmm. I don't think I do. So we're just, uh, you know, taking this by the point. Well, yes, I remember it. So uh, how would you feel if I asked you to uh, start one, my dear boy? Well, I have no skills on cartography. It'd be pretty difficult. Out of character, Renee has skills in cartography. Andy, how do you want to do this? I mean, when you all... uh sit down for a rest, like, overnight. Do you have anything, like, the tools with which to make a mat? Anak, you got any paper? Let me check my pack real quick. We need just, like, one parchment, man. I have no parchment paper or scrolls with me. So, Andy, I guess that means we've got to do some shopping. All right. If you all end up with the materials to make a map. I'd allow, like, Renee and Anak to sort of work together. Like, Anak's knowledge and Renee's abilities sort of put those together to make a map of the region. Cool. Awesome, awesome. Um, I just wanted to have that little short RP with Anak, because I want a map. (laughs) (laughs) I'd probably even start filling in what's up ahead, too, so. Okay. So, was there any other conversations that you all wanted to have before? I'm assuming, similar to the night before, around sundown, you all would find the nearest settlement and head in that direction? Sounds about right. I can't imagine much of interest to discuss while we're just walking through a desert, other than the potential map-making that we don't have the materials for. Or potential siren calls of the night and day. Okay. You all don't notice any uh, siren calls during the day as you all are traveling. But as the sun starts going down, you all are approaching towards another settlement. This one seems to be about uh, five or six stone houses. They are grouped fairly close together. They seem as if they were pretty constructed. They aren't exactly uh, 
uniform. The sides aren't very smooth. It looks like they were sort of put together in a quick manner. As you all are approaching it, is it not still on point, or what's your sort of marching order as you make your way towards it? Yeah, I'd probably still take point as we approach, but before we get into, like, walking, or rather, speaking distance from the buildings, um, I would start asking the rest of the group to uh, take point in case something strong comes up or something like that, and I'd put my hood up and my scarf up and kind of let them deal with it. And just until we're past, possibly any people. Okay. Anak, can you actually roll me a perception check, please? Sure. I rolled a 16. Okay. You actually notice as the group is approaching the settlement that there is nobody outside at the moment. You see lights on in several of the buildings, sort of the soft flicker of candlelight, but there is nobody outside at the moment. Uh, Am I to assume that's strange, given that we've passed by before and there were people? There were people at the other settlements outside, yes, but this one, there is nobody that is outside. Gotcha. Well, as I do the usual of having someone take point, I would point that fact out. I'm like, yeah, go ahead and take point. Actually, it's kind of strange, but it doesn't look like anybody's out at this time. I have a character question. So there's like a settlement of a couple buildings. Are these, again, just kind of like hastily constructed sort of homes? Yeah, they are uh, small homes, bigger than the uh, hut that you stayed in the night before. But uh, they're still rather on the small side. Ash would be pretty likely to assume like a single family home. Like I said, pretty hastily constructed, not exactly the sturdiest ones he's probably seen. And there's uh, six of them sort of huddled together in sort of a haphazard circle. Okay. I'll, I'll walk ahead of a knock then while he's trying to be sneaky. Um, and the lights are just off in all of them. Like, we don't see any real sign of life, so to speak. There are lights on in several of the homes. Candlelight, too. Yes. There are lights. Okay. And it's towards the end of the day now, right? We're at the point where we're looking for shelter. Yes, the sun is uh, just about beyond the horizon by this point. Okay. I will walk up to one of the structures where there is candlelight inside, and I'll knock on the door with the party behind me. I'm going to have Renee kind of briskly follow after Ash because who knows what he could get into and also their safety in numbers. This is true. Tara looks about and uh, I don't know if you'd see it, but some sort of potion or concoction. Okay. So yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to knock on the door here. After Ash knocks, there is a, uh, Brief shuffling was coming from inside, and uh, shortly thereafter, the door opens up very quickly. You see a fairly small framed red-skinned tiefling woman standing before you in the doorway. 
She looks at Ash and says, What are you doing here? Um, good evening. My my travel companions and I are attempting to cross the desert, and we're just looking for somewhere to stay for the night. We we're wondering if there's anywhere um, around here that we could take shelter. Quick, quick, come inside. She, she uh, steps off to the side. She gestures the group of you inside with her hands. She says, are you stupid? What are you doing out in the desert so late? We're looking for shelter, actually. Thank you. And Ash will take a step inside and wave to everyone. Come in, I guess. Renee kind of pokes his head through the door at first and says, We're not murderers. Don't worry. Before he comes inside. I would just shuffle along in with everyone else. So, real, real quick question. Is it just the tiefling woman inside? In the room that you all step into, she is the only one there. Okay, so Renee would notice this immediately and ask her if she's single. She shuts the door behind the group as you all enter. You do note that she has a uh, sort of a wooden slat that she it's attached to the wall on one side of the door. She shifts it down so that it's blocking it off as sort of a rudimentary type of a lock. And she says... I hardly think that this is the time to be worrying about such a thing, but do you all not know the dangers that you all are getting into out there? She pointed at Nock and says, you especially, you're one of us. You're from around here, aren't you? Not for a while. She she looks at the group of you. She steps a little bit closer and seems to be paying particular attention to Nock and says, you look familiar, but no, it can't be. Anyways, there's ever since everything started changing, the the monsters out there, they're getting more dangerous. Nobody goes out at night anymore. I bet they'd rather stay in if they could stay in with you. Nay. We didn't expect the desert to be a safe place to travel, especially at night, but what what kind of monsters? What are you talking about? Last night some foul magic tried to control me. I shook it off her. So, that. What what kind of magic? A song, I assume? Uh, yeah. The sand sirens, there. they seem to be growing in number. We used to have the blood guard we could depend on, or the hunters, but ever since, and as she's speaking, a voice barks from the other room, and he says, Hey, cut that out. There's, you know there's no good kind of something talking like that. There's, we don't want to be talking bad about the king. Ever since what happened to the hunters? She shakes her head and says, No, it's it's nothing, guy. It's just we haven't seen them in quite a while. Our well, our king seems to have this idea that and then the voice from the other room speaks up once again, cuts her off. He says, We're not gonna talk about that. We've already had this conversation before. It's just doing what he thinks is best for the wildlists. That's a male voice? It is. And as he speaks, a rather broad-shouldered tiefling comes in from the other room and looks the group of you up and down. Is that your husband? He seems pretty controlling. You know, I'd let you do whatever you want. If you're going to keep talking to my wife like that, you can go out and face the dangers of the desert yourself. Find out what they are firsthand. Ash steps on his foot. Renee kind of puts his hands up and puts his shoulders up and is kind of smirking and says, hey, hey, no need to get upset. 
It's all in good spirit. I don't... I don't care. I'm sorry, but I just don't care about your king. I just need to know, when did the hunters disappear, whatever? Uh, during all this, uh, Nock would be holding a scarf further up to his face and kind of looking away. She uh, steps further into her home and takes a seat on one of the chairs, makes sort of a motion for the group of you to take seats if you'd like to. I'll take a seat. She considers Tara's question and says, the new king, he took over, I suppose it was about three years ago now. It was shortly after that that the hunters, well, they started coming out less and less, and then all but disappeared, it feels like. Who who were these hunters? The blood hunters, or blood guard there. Well, I'm not really supposed to talk about them much with humans like you would. Remind me, what what did you say brings you to the Wild Wastes? Not many of your type come this way. Oh, tell me more about what you know about my type. We're looking for a specific type of flower. We're hoping we can use it to find a cure for the sickness. And Ash looks back to Terra because it seems like they have questions about the hunters. The blood hunters, uh, I mean, as far as I know, they've been around forever, ancient. They are hunters of evil. That's really all you need to know. They're very strong warriors. They, well, your friend is right. They've been around for as long as I can remember, but as long as history's been recorded, as far as I know anyway, she seems a little bit torn what information she wants to share and says, uh, they were always here to protect us up until here recently. Um, Renee, in an effort to try and get her to talk more, kind of just takes a seat, leans with his elbows on his knee and says, come now, we're all friends here. Just tell us what we need to know so your husband doesn't get more upset at me. She looks a little bit confused at Renee says, what is it exactly that you need to know? Well, I'm sure you giving us a decent history of the place would help us out on our travels, don't you think? And you can tell that he is obviously holding off on calling her a pet name only because her husband is there. Her eyes narrow a little bit and she says, I doubt that history is going to help you very much. That's, it all seems to be just that now, history. The king says that the blood magic is what's been causing the sickness, but ever since withdrawing the blood hunters, things, they don't seem like they've gotten any better. I mean, just a few weeks ago, our neighbor, he, he came down with the sickness and was exiled. If it was really the blood hunters with their magic, wouldn't it have been stopped by now? Renee is kind of taken aback by this news and is just shocked and says, the sickness all the way out here? I don't know why, but I thought you'd be safe from it. If only we were, it's... Well, I can't speak for out in your area, but it feels like it's only getting worse. The sickness does seem to be ranging far and wide. What I occurred to question, would I have been aware of this theory that like somehow the, the blood hunters were like the cause of the sickness? Ash actually would not have probably heard that 
since the Blood Hunters and Blood Magic in general is mostly contained to the Tieflings and the Wild Wastes. There are some that practice it, or Ash would have at least heard legend about that type of thing. Some that practice it that have passed down the sort of knowledge of it from people that have learned of how to do it from the Tieflings. It sort of originated with them, though, and then spread out from there. It's very rare in this day and age for anybody aside from the tieflings to do any sort of blood magic, though. Gotcha. Okay. Do you know where they are, though? Do you know where they are? By the way, um, Terra looks like eyes dilated, kind of like, looks like she's on drugs or something. If they're anywhere, I suppose they'd still be in the Oasis. Um, They're under the command of our king, so I'm not sure if he called them back to him or then her voice just kind of trails off, not really knowing how to finish that sentence. Or imprisoned them. Is the understanding that your king called back the Bloodhunters for whatever reasoning and that in their absence whatever monsters are roaming this desert have become more of a problem? Is that what I'm to understand? They were able to protect us before. Without them without them to fight the monsters off, there's little in the way of anything to protect us. We don't have the materials or resources to build walls around our settlements. Everything's well, everything's concentrated in the oasis, basically. Tell us more about the oasis, then. Why is it so special? The man standing in the doorway is actually going to speak up when you say that. And he says, So you've been traveling with the tiefling, and he hasn't even told you anything about the oasis? It hasn't been relevant. Ash looks through the document at them and just says, Anything you could tell us would really be helpful and appreciated. Figures your people wouldn't even teach you about your own history. The Oasis is where we were driven back to after that war in the past. You and the dwarves, you eradicated the elves, but at least I suppose we should be grateful that you let us survive. We've been secluded to these wild wastes ever since. The Oasis is the closest thing we can make to a city. It's where our king lives, where most of us live. Those of us that aren't necessarily fond of the city life, so to speak. We've made our own settlements out here, but we don't have near the resources that they keep concentrated around the oasis. Uh, would you know how to get there from here if we needed to? Of course. When Ash addressed Anak, both the man and the woman, their eyebrows perk up. Did you say Anak? A um, yes. He rushes forward and is going to try to get a better look at Anok's face. I'm not sure if he would allow that or is going to try to hide his face. You are, are you, can you whisper me the uh, check that you need to make? Yes, I can. I touch my crossbow and activate Crimson, right? This looks like a tense situation. Not making any aggressive moves, just activating Crimson, right? He seems to back up and says, that's not a name we've heard around here in 
quite some time. Yes, well, this confusion doesn't happen outside of here, so I haven't been here. He throws his bow a little bit and steps back, says, Well, if you're traveling with one of our own, I can't say how they'll feel about you if you manage to make it to the Oasis, but you're more than welcome to stay here for the night and give it a shot in the morning. Ash is quiet and thoroughly confused about the exchange that's happened between the tieflings, which he assumes is just a lot of tiefling stuff, but he will thank them and take them up on their offer to stay not in the desert. The man looks over at his wife. I'm not sure if I said officially that it was his wife, but... Oh, you did. Okay. He looks over at her and says, Callie, just set up the guest room for him. We'll keep him for the night and let him head out in the morning. And with that, he is going to leave the same way that he came in unless anybody stops him. Uh, did he say her name? Uh, he gave her a short name, which is Callie, K-A-L-I, for those keeping notes. After he leaves, the woman is going to stand up, sort of brush her hands against the front of her clothing and say, I'll go set up the guest room for you, and I'm afraid we've only got two beds, but it's better than facing whatever's out there tonight. Renee kind of pipes up first at this and says, well, I'm not sleeping on the ground again, so figure something out, all of you. You can have one of the beds as far as I'm concerned. I'll be happy to... uh sleep with the roof over my head, hopefully for the entire night this time. She is going to leave the room and leave the four of you to discuss anything you want as she is uh, setting up the guest room to receive you. Or if there's nothing you want to discuss, we can just go ahead and skip to you all in the guest room or the next day. Up to you guys. Ash would certainly be curious about things that both Anak and Tara have said during these conversations, but I think that he will wait to have those conversations in a more private situations. So I have nothing to say. Um how pretty on a scale of one to twenty is this tiefling lady? Oh my god. Just a second, I'll roll it. Thank you very much. <laughs> Ash can only kick Renee's shins so many times. I, I probably let at this point I probably let the right fade on my crossbow as it stops arcing with lightning and like tucked off. Yeah. Oh, good call. That is probably noticeable. If Renee were to rank the woman, God, that feels so sleazy to say. He'd probably go with about a, a 14 out of 20 if he had to put a number on it. It's, it's, just a, it's just Renee's personal, like, Subjective taste, not entirely assuming objectivity. It's just rolling. Renee thinks she's a seven. Yeah, Renee thinks she's a seven. Ooh, how do I play this out? Um, damn, Renee's just gonna go to bed because if he tries anything, her husband's gonna beat him up. That is exactly what's gonna happen. <laughs> a couple of minutes later, the woman would return and she says, I hope that the group of you sleep well. Thank you. Thank you for your hospitality. And you as well. Oh, but I would only sleep so much better if you were here. She's just basically going to ignore Renee. As she leaves the room, she 
sort of side eyes him. He would hear that the door down the hallway shuts probably more aggressively than would necessarily be called for. Uh, he winks at the uh, sound of this door slamming shuts because he knows exactly what is up. Uh, Ash is just going to roll out his bedroll here in the common room and leave the bedrooms for whoever wants to take them. Then we can assume that we acquired food and water via Nox powers throughout the day, I'm assuming. so. <laughs> Tell you what I want to fucking acquire. Oh my god. All right. I would look to Tara to see if they were going to take the bed or not. I'll sleep on the floor, but then when I talk, and I gesture towards the, the bedroom. Okay. Would this be a private conversation then? Not really. She's not gonna. This is just a. I need to talk for that. Someone won't be overheard. Meaning, do do Max and I jump out of the channel? No, as in, like, do you are you actually going to join in this conversation? Because you're a choice. Like, she's not like. Oh, oh, I understand. Are you going to go to the room, the bedroom? Yes. Are going to be in the bedroom because the name wants to go to bed? Yeah, okay. Uh, Ash will follow you too for the conversation. Yes. And Mark? Yes? I haven't. And she uh, takes a moment and just kind of, like, (sighs) breathes. And you see she kind of goes back to normal. Look, I haven't I haven't pried on what your whole deal is here, but if there's some shit we need to know that might put you and us in danger, I think we should know it. Because the way they looked at you when, uh, when I said your name, if there's some shit that we need to know, like you, you have to tell us. Anak would sigh, pull his hood back and a scarf down and put his fingers on the bridge of his nose and say, uh, well, I did lie to them. They know exactly who they thought I was. And why are you so well known here? Well, I was exiled from here all those years ago, so they would know that. Renee's eyebrows kind of shoot up and he says, exiled? For what? Shitting in the town well or something? Let me guess. You were kicked out because you practiced blood magic. Well, I certainly took their side. They didn't deserve anything for this, any of this, and I didn't even know what happened to them, and I still don't, and it could be my fault, and I don't even know what's happening, and now that we're going back, we're, we're going to find out. We're going to find out what happened. So you were exiled from your home for taking the side of the blood hunters, and they've all just sort of vanished. I don't know. Didn't want any of this to happen, but... I haven't been able to track them down. No, it's going to be keeping an eye on them. You've been searching for the blood hunters? <sighs> it's complicated, but yes. Seems we have some unresolved business here regardless. Everybody's got their baggage. Well, let's remember that we're here for ingredients to try to cure the sickness, but... If you both feel like you need answers to the situation, then I will help however I can. I thank you for that. Um, Renee would acknowledge all of this information, but wouldn't necessarily be changed by it, especially because he doesn't really understand what it all means. So at this point, he's just going to start dressing down. For I'm sorry. On the scale of 1 to 10, how dangerous do you think it is for me to be practicing blood magic around? This place. 
I, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know what's changed since I came here before. You'd you'd be better off asking them, though they were hesitant to reply. How long ago did you were you last here? Been many years for me. So it sounds like you both need to be very discreet in the rest of our travels in this area. <sighs> they probably won't recognize immediately unless I do something obvious. That's true. I probably don't look like, well, I guess I'm not really one of them, one of the order, but came across there to take a secret a while back, and, well, I want to know what happened to them, and I want to find them, if they're still around, because I'm sure that they can give me some answers. Not quite silly, not along, as Tara explains. These, these moon glow petals, why do we have to go to find them? Uh, out of character, is that like a specific place for that? From what you all have gathered, you would probably be able to assume, and the knowledge that you have, you would probably be able to assume that the best place to find them would be in the Oasis. Since all of the resources have been said to be pulled there, that would be your best place to start. Right, but did we, did I rather know if there's like a specific area that they grow, or is it just within like the actual watery oasis part? Or are we just going to have to search? Well, the oasis is the best place set up to uh, sort of support plant life. They are, they'd be around that area. Okay, so the actual oasis itself, not the oasis city proper. I mean, the oasis city is in the oasis. It's all like one. Section. Okay. I would probably explain that it's just, given the oasis is just water within the desert, they would probably grow closest to that water source. Nothing more specific. So we're going to be heading there regardless. Right. So, what should we call you? Seems like a knack isn't safe to call you here. Uh... Hold on, I will come up with a good, clever name. How about Jim? Jim? Or Bradley? <laughs> How about we just call him Kata? A knock? Kata. Close enough, nobody will ever know. Well, a knock, which do you prefer? Well, one is a bit more anonymous than a simple cipher such as that, so... Jim seems fine, I suppose. Jim it is. It may still stick out because it's not exactly common among tieflings, but it'll be passing, I suppose. Just something that's not particularly recognizable or noteworthy. Jim. Nash, uh, like, slaps him on the back and says, Jim. I've got a question for our uh, DM. Go ahead. Is there anything in this room besides the two beds? The room that you're in is quite obviously a guest room. There are two small beds in the corners. There's like a small desk in along one of the walls that's got like parchment writing, utensils, things of that nature. There's not anything of value though, if that's sort of what you're angling for. Um, no, actually. 
since there's parchment and a writing table at a writing utensils at the table, uh, could I possibly get Renee to get started on map make? Yeah, if you all are uh, sort of done with whatever conversations you want to have for the night, you could go ahead and start on that with a knock. Yeah, because this is going to be a roll, and um, it is an intelligence attribute roll. So I'm going to try and get, like, can I get advantage on this if I get uh, Anak to help me with it? Well, since he would be helping me with it, like, Renee and Anak would be sitting down doing this together. I will either let you have advantage on your intelligence or have Anak roll intelligence and Renee make his, uh, what would it be for the actual cartographer's tools? Is that still in, under intelligence? Yeah, it, it it is an intelligence rule. Okay, so yeah, with Anak helping you out, I'd let you have advantage on that, since it's his knowledge of the area. Awesome. Let me get that going. Okay, with that. Okay, so that was a 10. Ooh, so I guess... Renee and Anak try and sit down and make a map. Okay, you all... It's not the best map in the world, but you all have... Also, we, we don't have all the tools with us right now. We just have what we have. So I guess that's kind of a best we can get rule. Yeah, you'll have a very rough estimate of where things are at, though. It's probably not really to scale, but you've got sort of the general feeling of the area that you've traveled thus far. Awesome possum, dude. Was there anything that the group of you wanted to sort of tie up before we skip to the next morning? Is there a space in the bedroom for, like, another bedroom on the floor? The two of you actually could fit into the floor in this area if you wanted to sleep together, or Ash could continue having his out in the sort of main entryway. I was originally imagining it as like two small rooms that each had one bed, and so I had a completely wrong impression of it. But yeah, if we all fit in here, then I'll just roll out a bedroll here. Okay. So the group of you wake up in the morning. Would you be waiting to see your hosts before you leave, or are you just kind of packing up and leaving before they awaken? They were a bit odd. If we see them on the way out, I would thank them again. But I'm not particularly inclined to seek them out. So Ash is just going to kind of uh, pack his belongings up in the morning. Uh, Renee would follow suit, packing up all of his stuff, including whatever leftover parchment and writing supplies were on that table. It wouldn't really be too excited to see this woman, considering she's in a relationship and doesn't seem to be attracted to Renee, but whatever. So, yeah, he's probably just trying to be on his way. How much do I estimate the value of all of the supplies uh, that Renee took? No, I mean, it's just like a piece of parchment and some ink. It's like maybe a couple silver. It's not really anything worth like a massive amount of value or anything. Is there only one piece of parchment in that room then? There was only the one that he drew the map on. I Was Renee taking more than that or... Um, well, yeah, Renee's just going to take whatever's on the desk, so if that includes more parchment or whatever, writing supplies, ink, anything like that, he's taking it. Okay, uh, there was, like, a small 
stack of parchment there, a little bit of ink. Like I said, a couple silver, like probably three silver. It's not like anything particularly valuable. Once Renee has left the room and is not coming back, I leave I leave five gold on the the table where our things being taken. Alright. Was there anything else before we make our final advance towards the oasis? I'm ready. I think I'm good. I am ready. In that case, as you all set out on your way towards the oasis, you see in front of you coming over the horizon, there is one building that has a rather tall spire attached to it that Anak would recognize. The oasis itself is still a fair couple of miles out, but I'm going to need everybody to roll initiative as a rather large scorpion is burrowing its way out of the sand about 40 feet in front of you. So, with that, Tyra, you are first up in this combat order. Okay. Bonus action, crimson right. Main action, shoot with crossbow. Hand crossbow. Uh, that is a 10 to hit. A 10 is not going to hit. It just glances off the uh, sort of exoskeleton of this giant scorpion. So, I'm going to... Oh, actually, I should have. I should have been. I had to move forward to do that. So I'm going to move forward to do that, but then I'm going to move back. All right. After Tyra's turn is over, there is actually going to be two more creatures joining this battle, as two swarms of snakes are going to burrow out of the sand as well. One around the ankles of Anak, and one around the ankles of Renee. And they are going to make bites at each of the two of you. That's a lot of snakes! So the one biting at Anak gets an unnatural 20 to hit, and that'll do 8 piercing damage. And I need Anak to make a constitution save. That's a 12. Okay, that will be the end of that. The swarm that is biting at Renee is going to be a 9 to hit. And that will be the end of their turn, then. It is not. Oh, wait a second. Wait a second. Um, I have repost, and um, do I still get to use my reaction and uh, make a superiority die roll to make a melee attack? Oh, yes, you can do that. Okay, so give me one second to roll a d8. Yeah. Okay, so um, Renee is going to use his... Captain Scimitar, and is that 19 gonna hit? That 19 will hit, yes. Okay, so that's gonna do 14 damage. Nice. Okay. The Scimitar comes down. It's actually going to cut a fair number of these snakes, and they're going to hiss up in his direction as a rather decent chunk is going to be cut out of the swarm. That will bring us to Anak's turn. You have snakes swarming about your feet, and a giant scorpion 40 feet in front of you. Fine. I have no big deal. I should do... I haven't done this yet. Oh, hold on. 
Oh man, I had some freaking cool RP I was gonna do for that, and I totally forgot it trying to roll these goddamn die. I bet you looked really rad stabbing the snake. I fucking bet it was radical, dude. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. I'm gonna cast Spike Growth on the ground in front of me. I have to remember I've got concentration on that. Got a 20 foot radius. That's really big. Yeah, holy shit, that is a big spell. I mean, it's a second level spell. This isn't exactly right, I'm trying to get it. Oh, in fact, that's not going to, so. Anyway, it's gonna cover the whole area in front of me. I didn't then some. I wish there were, like, tools for that. There totally is. Nice, faster than me. <laughs> for the listener at home, uh, <laughs> Justin and Eddie are drawing a bunch of circles and squares and bright colors on our battle board right now. Colors and shapes. Yep. Sorry. Should have done that sooner. Okay, that red that red'll do. Okay, yeah, that's what I was exactly what I was going for. Okay. So in the area, uh, spikes and thorns twist and sprout within, but they can't actually see it. It's camouflaged, so that's interesting how it would even look on a desert anyway. But that's my action and Okay, so they don't have to do anything for the moment. It's going to be damaged when they move on their next turn. Uh, yep, when they enter it, or already with, yeah, or already within it, they take it as they move. It's also difficult terrain. Okay, so if that's the end of your turn, that will bring us to Renee, who also has snakes all around his feet. All right, yeah, the snakes. At this point, Renee has already been well. The snakes have already attempted to bite him, so at this point, he's just randomly kicking at them and I would say he's probably just gonna make a swing for the snakes at his feet immediately uh does that 10 hit that 10 is not going to hit the sort of hole that Renee cut out of the snakes previously is going to I assume be where he's cutting again and they are not going to be in that area at this point uh Renee kind of just yells and curses out loud as he swings and misses. Is that the end of Renee's turn? Um, yeah. All right. As you're up, the two friends in front of you have snakes surrounding their feet, and there is still the giant scorpion just beyond that. Well, that is unfortunate. As he is going to kind of like crouch down a little bit where he's standing and just reach his hands out. Who's standing right in front of me? I can only see snakes. It's Renee. Renee. Um, Ash is just going to crouch down and just reach out his hands and try to grab the snakes that are wiggling around Renee's feet. This is going to be inflict wounds. Let's see if I let's see if I can click the right button to a twenty. Thought it was going to be like, a, oh, Renee, you dropped this. Uh, so that is a uh, melee spell attack of fourteen, which I guess goes against AC. A fourteen is going to hit those snakes. <laughs> yeah, I'm here grappling snakes. Um, okay, uh, let me roll some some damage. Uh, so Ash bends down and grabs a handful of snakes and just drains the life out of them for 16 necrotic damage. 16 necrotic damage is going to take out a very large portion of these snakes. It's far less than half of the snakes remaining in this group that is around Renee's feet at this point. 
Right. You can only grab so many snakes with a snake grapple. You can only grab... <laughs> God damn it, how many snakes are there? And that was in character. I've done this. I just come to just take a step back to get away from the snakes, and that'll be it. Okay. The giant scorpion is up next. It is going to move forward. That would be 25 feet to reach Tyra through the thorns. If you would like Justin to roll that damage, would be 2d4 times 5. 25? Right, give me a second. Has it got twice as much movement? Because it's got difficult terrain, so it should cost double. Okay. Okay, it's going to move 20 feet forward. So 2d4 times 4. Yep. So that'll be 21 piercing damage. Okay, the scorpion is decidedly not happy with that. It is letting out noises of pain as it is sort of forcing its way through this ground full of thorns. Tara, you're up at the top of round two. I'm gonna move away from gonna move away from the snakes. Do I provoke an opportunity attack? No. Okay. Then in that case I am going to look at the snakes on the ground and be like, I can't really shoot that a crossbow. I guess I'll shoot this scorpion thing I was shooting at before, and I'm going to take two attacks. That's a 24 to hit, and an 18 to hit. Both of those will hit. Uh, I rolled, like, poop on my damage, so it's a total of two lightning damage and ten piercing damage. That will bring us to the first group of snakes that is going to try to slither around and bite the ankles of an arc once again. This time for an 18 against your armor class. Ow. And that will be seven more piercing damage. And I need another constitution save. Oh no. I rolled an eight. Okay. With that eight, you are going to take 16 more poison damage. Oh, I'm dead. What is this? So a knock is going to fall to the ground amidst these snakes and then the second group is going to attack at Renee's feet. Uh, that is a 21 against your armor class. Of course that hits. For 12 piercing damage, and then Renee needs a constitution type as well. Okay, alright. I guess because I, I have a, um, a, a fire thing that I would like to use, but I guess I'll take that con save first, since it hit me. Well, what's the thing? Explain, please. I have parry. What's the activation condition? Um, if I get damaged uh, with a melee attack, I use my reaction to uh, reduce the damage by a number I can roll by a d8 uh, plus my dex mod. Okay, yeah, go ahead and uh, do that, and then we'll do the save after. Okay, so that's a... Three plus a three, so I can reduce that damage by six. Okay, and then make that uh, con save for me, please. Alrighty, uh, I got a nine on that con save. Okay, that is going to mean Renee takes fifteen poison damage. Jeez, he's not dead yet. He's getting there. And that will bring us to Anok's turn with a death saving throw. Cool. 
Also, reminder that the spiky pit disappeared because of concentration. Oh my god. I rolled an at one. Okay. Uh, I'm not just not looking good as we come to Renee's turn. Alright, uh, so, uh, Renee is pretty, um, shaken by a knock being bitten by snakes and falling to the ground almost more so than himself being bitten by them. So, uh, he's gonna take another wild sling at the snakes on his feet, and hopefully the 10 doesn't hit, does it? A 10 is not going to hit, no. Okay, so, alright, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna use uh, Action Search, and I'm taking another swing at these snakes at my feet. Does the 12 hit? <laughs> no, a 12 is not going to make the snakes armor class. Alright, so I guess Renee just sits on the ground and cries. Well, no, he doesn't know. <laughs> Wait a second, yeah. I'm going to use a, my bonus action to use Second Wind, because I get Action Surge plus whatever additional bonus action. So I'm going to roll a d10 and regain some hit points. I'm going to regain four plus three, seven hit points. All right. That will bring us to Ash's turn. You've got a knock passed out in the first group of snakes. The second group is around Renee's feet. We have some... um. There's some serious problems in this battle. Okay. Ash has just sucked the life out of some snakes that he was holding in his hand. His hands. Just a snake in each hand. uh, Double fisting. And as he steps away from the rest of them, they just go lifeless and the color drains out of them. He drops some dead snakes into the sand. Which is gross. And he redirects that life force that he pulled out of the snakes that are dead. And he is going to cast a level two healing word on um, his good friend, Doc, who is oh. just dying. Word. Uh, in the sand. So let me cast that now. Heal the tank so I can keep the aggro. <laughs> you're not dying. <laughs> Someone here is dying. Wait, your turn. I mean, Anak's on two death files. So. Yeah. If he. Maybe if he hadn't rolled a one uh, on a dead fail, we'd be in a better spot. But somebody had to roll a one. <laughs> so we're going to go ahead and cast that. So you uh, get 11 health points back. You are conscious and prone. Hanging out with some snakes. Cool. Snakes. And I believe this is the, you can use a spell as a bonus and a cantrip as a main action, and that's the only way you can use two spells, right? Okay. Yeah. So, um, seeing that there's a bad situation with the snakes, Ash is going to point at these snakes that are just wriggling around um, Anak's body, (laughs) that's laying on the ground, cautious now, and use Toll the Dead um, on the remainder of the bunch of snakes. Um, let me see. Is he using that on the ones that are around a knock that haven't been hurt, or the ones, the smaller group around Renee? Is it the ones around Renee that have been damaged so far? Yes, that's the group that he grabbed the first time. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I can't see who's under these piles of snakes on the battle board, so I was mixing them up. The one that's already been damaged is the one that I'm now trying to damage. 
again with Told the Dead. It doesn't matter because both of them are the same rock. Uh, Told the Dead does bonus to something that's already been hit, right? Yeah, but you, it does. You, you roll your D8 and your D12 roll balls. Oh, perfect. Okay. Like you have it in the spell. Yeah. I did not have a look at that. Okay, so that's four damage uh, to the one that was already damaged. <laughs> if it fails to save. Right. They it got a seven on that wisdom save. Okay. And that four is going to be just enough to take out this first swarm of snakes. Oh, that is good news. Okay. And I will stay exactly where I am, and that is the end of my turn. Alright. That is going to bring us to our friend the scorpion. He is unaware that Anak is once again conscious on the ground. So he is going to continue his advance towards Tyra. He takes his first attack, which is going to be a claw attempt at Tyra. Does a 13 meet your armor class? No. Okay. His second claw is going to be a 14 against your armor class. Nope. And then last, his stinger is going to come from behind that is going to be a massive five against your armor class a natural one is not going to hit so all three of these attacks are avoided or deflected by Tyra I will let you decide if you want to flavor those I have a shield well I got my new shield it's very useful (laughs) alright and that will bring us to Tyra's turn on the top of round three I'm going to uh, I'm going to try something rescue. I am going to go try and go there and back off here, this direction. It's actually I can't select everything, but I can't like move myself off the map. But could you move, th- move everything down one or like a few spaces? Uh, how far down do you need to move? Like only a few spaces. Uh, I'm gonna try and do this, um, back away, like this. Does it take an opportunity attack? It is going to try to, uh, grab you with its claw as you try to move away. That is another 14 against your armor class. Good, that was a risk, but now it has no reaction. It can't opportunity attack you. Oh, my will be back I'm gonna take two attacks then against it. Alright. I don't have disadvantage. That is natural 20. Oh my. So that's a first attack. Uh, first attack that deals 8 lightning damage and 11 piercing damage. Alright. Before your second attack, how do you want to kill the scorpion with that first one? Oh, straight kill it. Yeah, it took a lot of damage from those thorns, so... I, I originally intending just to, to draw its attention away from my allies, but... I back away and as it goes into the floor, I just spot like a weak, uh, like a, a point of weakness in its armor, and I just get a bolt straight in as like arcs of uh, electricity are over the wound briefly. Nice. And then your eight would presumably then be directed towards the snakes, or would you want to take a? Would you want to change because? I, I, I'm assuming it's a misnomer what, right? But right, it was honestly probably to the scorpion because she didn't expect it to to that to kill it. So she just kind of like fired the shot 
and then fired again. It was like, oh, didn't hit. So she's sort of like rapid firing these two bolts. The second one flies out before she can recognize that the first one has killed it. Yeah, she's like on instinct. Right. Okay. Is that the end of her turn? Uh, yeah. That brings us to the remaining snakes that are slithering on top of a knock for a 14 against your armor class with their biting. Oh god, they didn't get through my armor. And then that will bring us to a knock's turn as you are lying on the sand amidst snakes. Cool. Not fun. I've decided I'm gonna use my movement to stand up. Uh, then I suppose I should just, you know, take a swing. Um, yeah, I will use Primal Savagery and attack them. Yeah, does a 24 hit? A 24 will hit for sure. Does 10 acid damage as the claws slice through as many snakes as I can swipe through with my fingernails. So Anox just cleaving his claws at these snakes. You'd guess probably about a third at your at a quick guess of these snakes. Cool, cool. Uh, yeah, that's it. Please help me. I'd rather not die again. Rene is up next. He is next to Anak, who is just cleaving at these snakes with his claws. Due to the poison, uh, Rene blacked out for about 30 seconds. But um, it's okay. He comes to Anak standing up and, and having at some of the snakes and he kind of cheers him on. <laughs> he wakes up to also the scorpion being dead, which he reacts to positively. So he puts away his scimitar and I'm going to have him take a stab at the remaining snakes uh, with the rapier. Probably so as not to accidentally kill Anak, or rather Jim. Uh, does a 21 hit? A 21 will hit. Why the fuck was he using that scimitar? That's going to be six piercing damage. Alright, six piercing damage to the snakes. Can I, uh, are they dead? They are not. I'm going to go ahead and run this by you as a DM really quickly. I have disarming attack. Now, snakes can't really drop their snakes. So if I were to use disarming attack, like, would you let me use it? They don't have any items to drop, so I'd have to say no on that one. Ah, uh, well, I tried. And um, I think that's going to be the end of Renee's turn. Just him making an attempt to clear the rest of these goddamn snakes. All right. That brings us to Ash's turn. Um, we have dispelled the giant scorpion. It is gone. And Renee's having trouble with snakes. Ash is going to uh, scoot around to these snakes. And, you know, uh, it worked once. He's going to try it again. He's just going to crouch down and just try to grab a handful of snakes. And use inflict wounds. That is a 13 to hit. A 13 is just barely going to miss these snakes. Oh, they're too wiggly. Okay. Well, I come up empty-handed, and 
That is all I can do, unfortunately. I'm actually gonna scoot back away. So it's one, two, three, four. And Renee kind of turns to Ash because this is the first time he's seen him do it, and he yells, "You can't just goddamn grab snakes!" Ash points at the desert floor, the the sand on the ground where there's just a bunch of like drained snakes that he grabbed before. And he says, yeah, "It worked before." Anyway, uh, go get them. He just kind of pats Renee on the shoulder and, and gives him a nudge towards the, the pile of snakes. That's it for me. All right. Tara, you're up at the top of round three. Scoots round here and is like, going to tentatively try and shoot at the snakes at his feet, I guess. Uh, like, hoping something happens. I'm not sure how this would make any degree of sense within the world, but you know, that's a 24 to hit. <sighs> a 24 will hit these snakes, yes. I guess I do four lightning and four piercing. I guess I just kind of like go through several. Yeah, these uh, bolts are going to cleave through a fair amount of these snakes. Is Terra going to make a second attack, I assume? 24 to again, one lightning, five piercing. Okay, that is another large chunk of the snakes that have been cut down. They are still very barely still fighting in this thing. I'm sorry, I assume that's the end of Terra's turn, right? Uh, yep. At that, <laughs> um, Renee kind of just screams and cheers Terra's on. Their attempt to hit Anak is a natural one, which will bring us to Anak's turn. I wish they would bite themselves. <sighs> well, I guess I'll do the biting for them, but I'm not going to do that literally. So, Primal Savagery, let's go. 22 to hit. That will hit. Just start with this, dang. No, three acid damage. And better. Yeah, three acid damage is going to those very, very small number of snakes left for Renee to presumably take out on his next turn. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, Renee's gonna take another poke at it with the rapier. Does that 12? A 12 is not going to hit the small number of remaining snakes. Well, golly, that's just too bad. And that's the end of my turn. All right. Ash, you're up. I am up. <laughs> I don't want to waste any more spell slots on these snakes, to be honest. Um, I'm going to like move over here and get a better view of them. And I'm going to try to toll the dead on them again. They need to roll their save. That is a wisdom save from the snakes. They got an 11. Okay. And that means it hits, but unfortunately the D12 is the one that rolls because they've already taken damage. It does one damage. This is some uh, riveting fucking audio, I'm sure. <laughs> we're trying to shoot snakes in a barrel, uh, but unfortunately we're all blindfolded. These snakes, you see as one of them drops and stops slithering, which will bring us to Tyra's turn. I don't actually have anything specific to deal with these, so I'm gonna do the same again. Nine to hit. A nine is going to miss. 
and 14 to hit. A 14 will hit. Dealing 3 lightning and 6 passing damage. That will cleave through the last of these snipes. Yeah. I can only imagine Anak is just sitting on the ground, screaming while we're all just taking pop shots at snakes. Tamer is uninjured, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Tamer has not taken anything. Uh, or Tamer has, uh, uh, is, is only injured in the sense of the blood magic, but you know. Right. Um, Ash will walk over to this pile of dead snakes and grab Anak by the hand and grab Renee by the hand. Does the blood magic actually do damage to blood hunters? I can't heal it. Like, I'm not... You, you, if you're going to try and heal, so heal, I can't... It won't help. Okay. Gotcha. I do not know the mechanics. And we'll pull you both away from the pile of snakes and hold each of your hands. And as this pile of snakes and scorpion is all, like, dying... Ash will kind of draw from the like remaining bits of life force there and cast um, Prayer of Healing to heal you both. Um, so he just kind of closes his eyes and holds each of your hands. For ten minutes. In one hand. For ten minutes, yep. He just stands there kind of mumbling stuff and holding your hands for ten minutes. That's cool. You can talk amongst yourselves. Renee is just all adrenaline up and kind of really hard for him to come down from that. But he's getting his hand held. Well, getting your hand held for 10 minutes uh, might be calming. Um, and you each heal uh, 12. And the heals feel kind of good. I stopped bleeding earlier, but, you know, this feels great. And after uh, 10 minutes, Ash just opens his eyes and, and lets go of both of your hands. And that's it. I'm going to search for the rest of my crossbow bolts while they're holding hands. I know that I, I know because I counted that two bolts missed are in the sand, three bolts are in the scorpion, and three bolts are impaled in random snakes. I'm not sure how many of those bolts you consider recoverable. Let's see. Go ahead and how did we do this last time? Was it investigation or perception? I think it was. Well, it's investigations usually when you're looking for something that you perception is noticing something really. Yeah, let's go with the uh, investigation. I know it's what we went with last time. Okay, on an eight, I will let Tara recover. Let's go with two of those bolts. Okay. Uh. Um, I have a question about our big scorpion. I know that due to Ash's method of healing, he kind of drains the life out of everything. But um, uh, first question, how big is this scorpion? It is a large monster, so I think that's what, 10 by 10? Approximately. I mean... Okay, um, so it has a carapace, so I'm gonna assume it hasn't really, you know, rotted away much on the outside so much as it would be on the inside. Correct. So, um, I would like to have Renee make an attempt at chopping off this thing's stinger. Like, just the tip of the stinger, because he's a trophy guy. Yeah, uh... If he's doing it just sort of as, like, a souvenir to keep, I'd let you go ahead and take that off of him. Either with the, I guess with the scimitar, the rapier would be more of a 
pokey sword than a cutting sword. Yeah, I'm gonna have Renee just kind of roll over to the scorpion now that uh, Jim has been healed up and everything's fine with that. And he just kind of takes his scimitar and brings it down on the tip of the scorpion's tail, pulls out a bit of rope from his pack and ties it under his cloak near his waist. All that blood, at least I got a good trophy, boys. That was terrifying. That was a tough fight. Well, I'm ready for that to be put behind me. Thank you again for healing me, really. I really wasn't sure I was going to make it out of that. Ash just kind of, like, pats pats you on the shoulder. Do like a little pat-pat and a smile. <sighs> I need to get stronger So stuff like this. won't be so dangerous. Renee is, uh, through the ten minutes of hand-holding, he's still pretty adrenaline up, and so he kind of just takes an exasperated sigh and goes, Whew! Good fight. Almost lost it, but good fight. Hope I can get another one of those. Shall we move on? And uh, yes, we shall. No desire whatsoever to linger here and wait for more snakes and scorpions. So the group of you make it to the oasis shortly after that, presumably with a knock coming in, not looking particularly great. As you all are making your way in to this fairly large city, you find that the sand underneath your feet fades away in favor of grass. In the middle of this city, you see a rather large water source that the city seems to be built around. The buildings here are much larger than the ones in the settlements that you all made it to previously. They're made of the same sort of stone material, but they are much more sort of evenly constructed as if people took their time and made these to stand as opposed to putting them together hastily. As you all are entering, you get the impression that uh, the tieflings that are here, they're not used to seeing humans. You start getting swarmed by people that are coming over to sort of see what these strange people are doing entering their land. And as the group of you see these tieflings start to surround you, one of them speaks up and says, wait a minute, you're the king. And that's where we're going to end this episode. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of LGBT&D. We appreciate all of the love and support we've gotten so far more than you could possibly know. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you really liked what you heard, we have a Patreon at patreon.com slash andylion, and all proceeds will go directly to benefiting this podcast. Lastly, please feel free to contact us on Twitter at LGBTDpod, and share us with anyone that you think may enjoy listening to our little adventures here. It really helps us to grow as a podcast. And again, thank you so much. Thank you.